early in the morning so I appreciate you all making some time inshallah ta'ala on this blessed night um, you know as uh, Mufti Azim and Mufti Minhaj have been uh, announcing mashallah this program is, is supposed to be a unique program that allows us to inshallah delve into a topic uh, that perhaps otherwise we wouldn't ne- necessarily cover inshallah so it's a very expansive topic as you all may uh, have seen uh, halal lifestyle in, it entails a multitude of topics and, and co- concepts and, and things that inshallah we'll cover uh, this morning. So to begin, I guess, um, you know, Mufti Minhaj, if you could kind of please give us a, an understanding and overview of why does this matter? Um, why does a halal lifestyle uh, matter to us? Why is this important? Um, and, you know, kind of sort of set the stage a bit for us and then inshallah we'll kind of delve into different aspects of this this topic um, as the announcement has been made um, but inshallah maybe if you could kind of start off with that and then we can uh, start the conversation inshallah uh, may Allah subhanahu reward you for agreeing to uh, be mashallah very engaging and uh, as well as educated host for the program as he has been mashallah we are aware of uh, brother Rafid, mashallah uh, for many years since he was a student and Darul Hikmah and alhamdulillah, he was a part of Dar Islam from the beginning. The first uh, fundraising efforts that took place for establishing this masjid, he was one of our uh, core volunteers, mashallah. Um, I remember long after Junaid Jamshid, alhamdulillah, had left, you were picking up all the wires for the sound system. Mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> wrapping it up with Brother Muhammad Mia. Mashallah. khairan. So alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa the, sif, the, the, the masala of, of halal and haram is so important that this is actually one of the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How is this sifat of Allah? This is a unique sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sifat of tashri'ah, to determine the sharia. The tashri'ah has the component of tahleel and tahreem. To declare something halal and to declare something haram, this is an attribute of Allah. And no one else has that right. If our beloved Prophet made some, declared something to be halal and haram, it is only on behalf of Allah, as a messenger of Allah. And assigning this authority to someone else, anyone else, including if we start doing it to ourselves, uh, then this is a form of shirk. Allah Ta'ala speaks about this in the Qur'an. وَلَا تَقُولُوا لِمَا تَصْرِفُوا أَلْسِنَتُكُمُ الْكَذِبُ هَذَا حَلَالُ وَهَذَا حَرَامُ لِتَفْتَرُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبُ Do not falsely begin to attribute things from your own side by saying that this is halal and this is haram. You are alleging this against Allah. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبُ لَا يُفْلِحُونَ Those who falsely claim things are halal and haram from their own side. falsely make these uh, allegations against Allah, they will never be successful. And this is one of the ayat that we discussed in the first year in the Tanweer program, in our introduction to fiqh, that there is an ayah about uh, shirk that was slightly confusing. 
for one of the Sahabi, one of the Sahaba, Adi ibn Hatim, radiallahu anhu. Hatim, his father, was Hatim al-Tai, from the Banu Tai, who was known for his generosity. And his son Adi was a Sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu He had accepted Islam. But prior to accepting Islam, He was uh, a Christian. So he, he, he was a, a Christian who had accepted Islam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had mentioned this ayah about the Christians. They have made their priests and their rabbis and their monks uh, as gods besides Allah. So he came to Rasulullah and he said, I was a Christian. The Banu Tayy were a northern Arabian tribe and because of their proximity with the Eastern Roman Empire and their borders were close, so they used to uh, deal with them and then uh, under their influence they adopted Christianity. So he said that we were Christians before Allah granted us Islam and I do not recall that we used to make our priests and our monks as gods. We never worshipped them. So Rasulullah explained. He said, there are three types of shirk. He didn't explain the whole thing the way I'm explaining. He gave the summary, but the detailed explanation is that there are three types of shirk. One is the shirk fi dhat, shirk fi sifat, and shirk fi ibadat. Shirk fi dhat is a very simple one, the dhat being having multiple gods, na'udhu believing either two gods like the Persians did, khaliq al-khayr, khaliq al-shaf, creator of good, creator of evil, or believing in multiple gods, three gods, ten gods, million gods like the Hindus. These are the shirk fi easy one. Shirk fi sifat is if there is an attribute that belongs only to Allah, that sifa is khas ta'ala, only for Allah and you assign that to someone else besides Allah. So shirk fi you're not committing. Meaning if you ask how many gods do you worship, one god. But there, are an attribute, there is an attribute of Allah you're assigning to someone else. Like what? What type of attribute? Like alim al-ghaybi wa shahada to have the complete knowledge of the unseen. This is only Allah Ta'ala has. Starting from Rasulullah down, Allah Ta'ala says to the Prophet, Qul la I do not have the complete knowledge of the unseen. Or the ability to grant, grant a child. This is only that Allah has. Or ability to grant shifa, cure. To be omnipotent, omnipresent. So these are sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't want to identify where, but one, one point in my life, I was renting a home. Uh, so, and um, the owner of the home, mashallah, may Allah reward them, but <laughs> there was the, the landlady, she had a sign in her home. And put, it was born, it's, it said on there that, it was written in Urdu. Suna hai aap apne har aashikh ke ghar tashrif le aate hain. Hamare ghar bhi tashrif le aai ya Rasool Allah. Right? So, <laughs> so uh, I have heard that you come to visit physically the home of everyone who loves you. So come and visit our home too ya Rasool Allah. Come stay. Some places they have a chair and they have a majlis like you had the zikr with Mufti Azimuddin. So if they put an empty chair and they say Rasulullah is going to come and sit in this chair. And when he comes, then we all stand up to welcome him. Right? right. So 
That is, that is a, a, a time. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is Sayyidul Awaleen, Sayyidul Akhireen, Afdalul Khalqi Ajma'een, the best of the creation. But this is a sifat of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. فَإِنَمَا تُوَلُّ فَثَمَّ وَجْهُ اللَّهِ Then you have, uh, so this is an attribute, sifat of Allah. And then the third form is shirk fil ibadat, forms of worship, like making sajda. We make sajda to Allah. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Only you will be worshipped. So making sajda to a grave of a nabi or even a wali, or making tawaf. So I, I, have, I, have, I have seen this with my own eyes. You know when we make tawaf of the Kaaba, this is a form of ibadah. What is the definition of tawaf? Where you circumambulate a building? Is that it? What if somebody, for example, is doing the landscaping of the Masjid Dar es Salaam or snow removal, and he's just getting bored and he says, let me just do it in circles. <laughs> so he, he takes his uh, plow truck and he goes one, one circle, second, third, fourth. He makes seven circles around Masjid Dar es Salaam. So has he made tawaf of Dar es Salaam? No. Ritual circumambulation with the belief that this is an act of worship that will, that through which a person will receive reward, right? That's tawaf. So, I saw that, you know, when we make tawaf, you kiss the Hajar Aswad, you make the tawaf, right? So a person, he was making tawaf of a grave. SubhanAllah. And instead of kissing every time, he was doing a sajda, adding on top of it. Like normally you say, nur ala nur. So this is the opposite. So he does a full frontal prostration, like absolute complete sajda to the grave. Then he gets up, makes one tawaf, then he does a sajda seven times. So this, so this is what, this is shirk, what shirk fil ibadah. It's not in that, because if you ask him how many gods do you worship, is he a god too? He'll say, no, there's only one god, la ilaha illallah. This is a kalma go muslim. But now we're making shirk in the ibadah. So these are three forms of shirk. So over here, Going, getting quickly back to the actual masala, is the, the, the Christians, what did they do? They didn't, or the Jews in particular, the Christians, the Trinity is difficult. There's shirk going on there. But the Jews, they did not make shirk with Zat, they believed one God. Nor did they do shirk with Ibadah, they only worshiped one Allah. But they did shirk with Sifat. That's the topic at hand. Because the Sifat of Tashri'ah, to declare something halal and haram, is only belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they had given that authority to their, to their rabbis and they had given that authority to the Pope in the Christian church. Because the Pope, he can cancel out what the Bible says. Right? He can and he has within him the authority to, that God has made something forbidden, he can make it permissible. God made something permissible, he can make that forbidden. This is not hearsay. Myself in a one-on-one -on -one interaction in an interfaith setting with one of the uh, rabbis, I said that uh, I've heard, you know, you know, there's the Orthodox Jews, then there's the what? Reform, and then the uh, conservative, and then reform. reform yeah. Three branches. So the reform Jews is very, very scary. Uh, because that's where our progressive Islamic movement is headed. So I said, is there a concept of um, kosher pork? I know it's such an oxymoron. <laughs> kosher pork. Can there be something like that? It's like 100% Zabia. <laughs> so he said yes. I said I, I heard about this, but I wanted to be able to like in the Rosa Khalat me Masjid in the condition of fasting in the house of Allah to be able to say it on the mic. And today they started the live stream too. <laughs> so uh, so uh, on the live stream that I spoke with the rabbi, he said yes, we believe in kosher pork. For the record, not the conservative nor the orthodox. But the reform, yeah. So they, they can change it. They can change the sharia. So this is a sifat of Allah. So who makes things halal and haram? 
Who has the right? Allah does. Then somebody says, what? It's not always like that. There's also Sometimes, you know, the grass is always green on the other side of the hill. They're oh, how come everything is jais and shafi mazhab? It's not, it's not the case. There, it's the other way around too. There are many things which it's more difficult. A person, you know, just touched a, a woman, it will do breaks in the Shafi right. field. It doesn't in the Hanafi field. Right. So, did, so the, are the Imams taking over the Sharia just like the rabbis and the popes did? There's a difference. This is what the opponents of the Madhahib and the Fuqaha, they say, oh see, you guys are following the Imams of Fiqh just like they follow the rabbis and popes. So what's the response? The response is that, no, no, that was Tashri'ah with Ayn. And this is Tashri'ah with Aha. They had made them Shari'ah, and whereas our scholars are Shari'ah. What is that? What's the difference besides the Tajweed difference? Ha and Ayn are both Huruf Halqi, right? Hamza Ha, Ayn Ha, Ayn Ha. Ayn and Ha both are from the Wastul Halq. So they're both similar. But there's a big difference in Shari'ah and Shari'ah. The difference is that the scholars, Imam Hanifa, Shafi'i, Malik, and others, they were not saying that we, have, we are vested with the divine authority to make things haram and halal. They are doing sharah and explaining what the order of Allah is based on their best interpretation. They're saying authority relies in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah ta'ala is the one who makes things halal and haram. And He did so for a purpose. It's a test for us. And that's the objective of our life. He created life and death to test you. Who will be the best in their actions? Who will abstain from the haram and engage in the halal? This is a test. Secondly, is that this is better for us. Because he mentions one of the attributes of Rasulullah Rasulullah has made the tayyibat wholesome, beneficial things halal for us and has made the khabayis and, and evil things and harmful things haram for us. So this is for our benefit. And in, in following this, inshallah, we will be the primary beneficiary in this dunya as well as in the akhirah. And this is uh, our ubudiyah to Allah, our, that we accept the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He has ordained for us. I mean, we can continue talking about this, but we want to keep on getting on with the next topic. No, mashallah, no, I mean, it's definitely an expansive um, topic that, that covers so many things. But I guess perhaps maybe we can pivot to... Talking about sort of like the spiritual dimensions of eating, um, like eating halal, right? Like, yeah. what impact does it have? I know, you know, many people, um, you know, they have this misconception that, oh, you know, like, you know, I guess, what is the impact to me in terms of my spiritual dimension, the, the effect that it has on on my life, as well as our, uh, you know, your personal ibadah, etc. Like. Why is why is eating halal important? And then perhaps we can maybe cover and, and discuss, um, you know, the, the, the you know the concept of um, you know ahl kitab as well. You know, um, where does this come into play? Um, and you know, kitab, yeah, that's yeah. A big, a big, right. So, <laughs> so when it comes to when it comes to uh, the spiritual benefits, again, I'll try to keep it short to the point. Uh, but I, I end up going on tangents, as you all know. But when um, there is a very clear connection. Surah Al-Mu'minun, we talked about it in the tafsirs after Isha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal rasul, kunun min al-tayyibat wa amalu saliha. All the prophets, eat halal food and do ibadah. So Allah has linked these two commands. Kunun min al-tayyibat, eat halal wa amalu saliha and do righteous actions. 
Why is eating halal mentioned before righteous actions? Because righteous actions will not be accepted if a person is eating haram. So just like you have to make wudu before you pray, you have to eat halal before you pray. So it's a shart and a condition for the acceptance. Secondly, it motivates a person to do more ibadah. The more nurani halal tayyib food you eat, the more you will be inspired to worship. This is the link between these two apparently uh, separate commands that don't seem to have any relationship. Normally you would say, kulu ashrabu, eat and drink. Or, you know, perform wudu and pray. But why is Allah Ta'ala saying, eat halal food and pray? Or uh, eat, eat, drink and sleep. <laughs> Rest and digest. Right? So these commands, they seem together. But over here Allah is saying, eat and then pray. Because eating halal food is a condition for the acceptance of prayer. In the well-known hadith of Rasulullah was he said there's a man who was out in the jungle, in the, in the desert, and um, he's lost and disheveled. And Allah Ta'ala says, Who else is there to respond to the call of the needy one? So he had all of uh, the asbab in the means of the dua being accepted. And he has disheveled clothes and, dis- and he is perturbed and distressed and he's calling out, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb. But Nabi Sallallahu said, Why would his dua be accepted? What he's earning is haram, he's, with the clothing he's buying is haram, and the food he's consuming is haram. So his dua will not be accepted. So this is important that we need to ensure that we consume halal for our, the acceptance of our ibadat. That's the first spiritual effect, the most important one. And then you mentioned about what is this whole confusion about Ahlul Kitab. This is a very long topic, but to, to give it, uh, you know, we, can, we did long in the sense that we did like an hour and a half seminar just on this one issue of Ahlul Kitab. Back in the day, in the beginning here at Darussalam, we used to have those monthly seminars. So the, whole, the, the title was the Halal versus the Biha. It should be in the archives of the. Uh, on the website it is? Yeah, okay. yeah, Halal versus Abiha. So I would refer to that one. You can listen to the longer answer there, like an hour and a half. Um, but, so when I'm saying, oh, I'm trying to summarize it, I truly am. I'm not going to take an hour and a half on this. <laughs> uh, but what it is, is there, there is an ayah in the Quran wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ma'idah, and we are not going to ignore this ayah, and we're not going to say it's mansukh or cancelled because it's from Surah Al-Ma'idah which is min akhri ma'unzila, one of the last ayats that were revealed. It's muhkam. It's not mansukh or abrogated. And in uh, Zul-Hijjah um, of the 10th year of Hijrah, on the 9th of Zul-Hijjah, Yom Arafah, it was a Friday, Hajj Akbar of Rasulullah that's where the concept of Hajj Akbar comes which has become famous amongst people. Um, the ayat is revealed, اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتمنت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا. This is a very beautiful ayah that one of the rabbis came to Umar radiallahu anhu and said, if this was revealed on our ummah, we would have remembered the day and you have forgotten it. So he said, don't be so happy, I didn't forget it. <laughs> I know when it was revealed. So this is one of the last ayat. So when Allah Ta'ala has perfected the deen and completed the deen. So in that same context are the ayats of halal and haram and the ayats of uh, perti- pertaining to the meat of the Ahlul Kitab. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does say there, وَطَعَامُ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ حِلُّ لَكُمْ 
That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the meat of the Ahlul Kitab that they are consuming halal for you and has made your food halal for them. So this is such an honor Allah has given to the Ahlul Kitab has elevated their status and has made their meat halal for this ummah. So normally when I talk about this topic, I start from this ayah. Because those who are uh, taking this ayah out of context and applying it to all the meat, they have a lot of pent up anger and frustration. And they say that, how can you reject this ayah? How can you just completely ignore this ayah? You don't believe in it. So that's why I start off with this point. So that, calm down, right? You know, we accept this Quran. It is the revealed word of Allah. We're not just canceling and saying it doesn't apply any. It's not relevant or it's not applicable. It is. No one says this ayat is mansukh. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the meat of the Kitab halal. Now the question is, why? Be accepted, but why is it halal? Right? right. Why is it halal? Why, how is it different from the meat that the mushikeen are eating? Or the meat of the atheist. What's unique? What's the khasiyatu ma yujidu shay'i? Wa la yujidu fi ghiri? That which is found in it, not found in other meat. It is because for an animal to be halal to consume, right? There are three components. Who is the thabih, the one slaughtering? Who is, what is the masbuh, the animal that is being slaughtered? And what is the tariqah of the sabah? What is the way that the slaughtering is happening? So, now the zabih, the one who is slaughtering, could be a Muslim or a kitabi. Could be a Muslim or someone from the Ahlul Kitab. And the animal that is being slaughtered and the way that the slaughtering happens. So the animal that is being slaughtered, first of all, the Ahlul Kitab in the original. Ahlul Kitab means the people of the book. The people of the book, which book? Fiction or non-fiction? <laughs> so the, 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 the people of the book means which book? Torah in, in Injil. So, and we talked about Ahlul Kitab recently as last night for those who are here. Uh, this is the ayah from Surah Al-Ankabur. Do not debate with Ahlul Kitab but in the right manner, in, the, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in the best manner. Ahsan. When you are debating with them, when you give them the Unless they are persisting in their zulm, then you can expose them and prove them wrong because they are creating corruption in the ummah and misguiding people. Otherwise, you should try to approach them in a nice, kind manner and invite them the way Allah Ta'ala says, We covered this last night. It's, that should be online too. Yeah, of course. So, um, Subhanallah. So the one who is doing zaba is, a, is a either Muslim or Kitabi. Now the animal, they you were consuming the same halal animals that we are. So the animal was not a difference of opinion. Meaning they were not, they were originally not eating pork. And they were originally not eating um, um, other haram animals that Allah has made haram upon us. Haram alaykum al So they weren't eating you know, snakes or monkeys. Varmin, right? So they were eating camels, sheep, goat, cows, chickens. So the animal is the, is the halal. Now the way the zaba happens, they had the exact same way we did. Meaning they were not strang strangling the animal. Uh, they were not choking it. Uh, they were not uh, suffocating it. They were not drowning it. What were they doing? They were slaughtering it. 
And they were slaughtering in which manner? The same manner that we are amended in. By whom? By the same Allah. Same Allah. This is not some, um, subhanAllah, liberal, loose, uh, sellout, Muslim perspective. Oh, it's the same God. Allah says so. To the Ahlul Kitab. What did we talk about last night? وَلَا تُجَادِلُوا أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ إِلَّا بِالَّتِي أَحْسَنِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْهُمْ وَقُولُوا آمَنَّا بِالَّذِي أُنْزِلَ إِلَيْنَا وَأُنْزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ وَإِلَاهُنَا وَإِلَاهُكُمْ وَإِلَاهُنَا وَإِلَاهُكُمْ وَاحِدٌ وَنَحْنُ لَهُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ Our God and your God is the same. What happened to you? Why are you rejecting Rasulullah In fact, I went so far talking about Ahlul Kitab because I see many people were not here last night. Then I had to kind of balance it by mentioning إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ وَالْمُشْرِكِينَ فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أُولَائِكَ هُمْ شَرُّ الْبَرِيَةِ We're not going to say that they will enter Jannah. They are going, أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ وَالْمُشْرِكِينَ Both are going towards Jahannam. Because they rejected the Risala of Rasulullah But our God is the same. Because the God of Abraham, God of Moses. Now, they would take the name of Allah in the name of God. And they will slaughter in such a manner that from the four vessels, four, one is the, the trachea, which is in Arabic simply known as the majrul nafas, the air pipe. And the esophagus, which is the majrul ta'am for the, for the food. And two major blood vessels, right? One carrying the venous blood back from the head to the heart, and one carrying the oxygenated blood artery from the heart up to the head. So from these four vessels, they would severe them try to severe all four or three of the four and they would take the name of God actually in, in Arabic the Christian like the Christian Bible like Lebanon is an Arab country that is majority what? Christian Muslims are a minority in Lebanon when we have like interfaith gatherings with non-Muslims we uh, explain this difference because non-Muslims they think that oh, all Arabs are Muslims or all Muslims are Arabs hmm. So we say that there are more Muslims in Indo-Pak subcontinent than the entire Middle East put together. And the Middle East, uh, like Lebanon, is an Arabic-speaking country, but is majority Christian. So in the Arab Bible, the, uh, what do they call God in the Arabic Bible? Allah. Allah. And this is another problem, because these Christian evangelicals, they, they attack Allah, the word Allah. You know that, right? Well, they say this was what? Moon goddess? Moon god, yeah. Yeah, moon god. So Muhammad is a pagan worshipping the, the moon god, Allah. They take Allah and they confuse it with Allah. They're not, they're not confused intentionally, corrupting. So they, even in my home, I got a, a comic strip from the evangelical. So it shows oh, there's a Muslim becoming Murtad Christian. And then he goes and he's worshipping Allah. And then he, then he discovers, no, some Christian comes and tells him. It's like cartoon figures. Uh, and then he says, no, you worship Allah, Allah is God. He said, no, Allah is the moon goddess, Allah. That's Muhammad used to, was a pagan, Billah, worshipping this idol. So they attack the word Allah. But reality is, in, in this, the name of Allah is Alam Nidhat Al-Wajib Al-Wajud. Al-Mustajma Al-Jami'i Sifat Al-Kamal Al-Munazah Al-Taghir Al-Nuqsan Al-Zawar. Imam Raghib Asfahani in his Kitab Al-Tarifat, he defines Allah. This is the proper name of, uh, of that Supreme Being, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, our God. So, like the Christians, if they say Masih ibn Allah, Jesus is the son of God, they don't say Masih ibn, ibn God in Arabic. They say Masih ibn Allah. Right? 
So they would take the, they take the name of Allah. If there's an Arab Christian, they would say in the name of Allah. And if it was um, English speaking, they would say in the name of God. So they would do the exact same thing. So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it halal. But if they stop doing that, now if, a, if he's a Christian and he doesn't fulfill all these conditions, or a Jew doesn't fulfill these conditions, okay, and then he starts eating pork. For example, he eats pork. So are you going to apply this ayah? Whatever the Christians are eating or the Jews are eating is halal for you. Or the kosher pork I spoke about. So they're eating, so it's halal for us. Will that work? No. Right? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made that haram for us. It's very clear. Khinzir is haram. In fact, in the list of things that are haram, the first thing is harimut alaykumul maytatu. Waddamu. Then number three is lahmul khinzir. First thing is mayta is haram. Then blood. Blood meaning flowing blood. Not when you take it out of the freezer and you defrost it and there's some blood on the meat. <laughs> you know, so what's cooking for dinner? A blood soup? No, right? no, that's not blood. That's not the, uh, blood flowing blood. Gee? You go faster, huh? Yeah, it's time to hurry up. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so there's flowing blood. Daman? Masfuhan. Flowing blood is haram. And number three is khintir. So the first one is harimut alim meita. Meita is haram. What is meita? Dead meat. Dead, no, yeah. Carcass, carrion, dead meat. Yeah, but it's not a complete. The definition has to be jami'un. Liafradihi and mani'un min Complete should include all of the term being defined and exclude that which is not being defined. Right. Anyway, so the definition has to be complete. What is the definition? Meita is any such animal that is either killed or dies in a manner other than the sharia acceptable manner of, of slaughtering an animal. Right. So the one who dies a natural death, that's meita. He got sick and he died. Uh, and what else is a meita? Uh, Roadkill yeah. is meita. What else? Allah Ta'ala gives some examples in the Quran. Mawquda, the one that uh, dies from a violent blow. Mutaraddiya, the one that trips on a mountain goat on the mountains and it falls down. Natiha is when the animals are fighting with another, you know, for their mate or something, right? So what happens, one animal with its horn, it pierces the other animal and kills it. Natiha. Ma'akala sab'u, if a wild animal catches another animal and kills it. So all of these are what? Mayta. So any animal that is not slaughtered according to the Sharia method is what? A mayta. So if a Christian or a Jew starts eating khinzir, it's haram. Likewise, if a Christian or a Jew starts eating mayta, it's still going to be haram for us. Right? And that's exactly what's happening. Because outside, the meat that you find in all the stores around us, or McDonald's, Burger King, whatever, fast food or slow food, doesn't make any all of the food around is what? It's, it's meita. Why is it meita? There's a lot of detail of that. Because for, first of all, they're not taking the name of Allah. And they're not severing the vessels in the proper manner. What's happening, for example, in chicken? How does the machine slaughter work? So I had to go and see. With the eye of certainty, we went and we saw it. We observed what happened. So the chickens, they're put upside down. And they're hung up on this uh, conveyor belt. Now, how would you feel if you're turned upside down? You're going to be happy? <laughs> so, so if you are hung upside down, 
you wouldn't like it. So the chicken doesn't like it either. Why is that significant? It's significant. The reason it's significant is because it doesn't like it. It's craning its neck. It's like, it's like this. It's trying to come, become right side up. And why is that important? Because when it's craning its neck, it's going to be difficult for the mechanical blade to get it. Because it's, it's turning its neck upside. Because it wants, to be, it wants to be right side up. So then what happens is, now they want to straighten their neck out. So what do they do? They, they plunge it in the water. Which type of water? Electrical. Yeah. So they put it in the, there's an electric current in the water and they you know, submer, uh, submerge it. So what happens, some of the weak birds, they die from the electric shock. So right there is meta, number one. Number two, then when they come back out, then the mechanical blade is rotating. So are all the chickens the exact same height? No. They're different heights, right? So some of, majority of them, frankly, it does majority, cuts, gets them in the throat, but many of them, it may miss the head completely. Because if the, if the chicken goes like this and escapes the mechanical knife. Or some of them, the, the knife will cut them in the middle of their body. Not in their, not where there's zabah is supposed to happen. Because the, the place of doing a zabah of the chicken, how much space do you have? Yeah, so Very limited space. Yeah, so you can miss it, yeah. You can miss the throat. The throat of the chicken is not too long. So then, so if, if it misses the chicken, can you come out? Because Molana is right behind you, he keeps on craning his neck. Can you, yeah, can you come sit in the front? Or, yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? Because he's moving back and forth. So, like, it reminds me of the hip students when they're moving back and forth. So then, yeah, it's like, mashallah. So he, he, the chicken cranes, cranes his head, you can miss it there. Then, or what happens? Uh, or through the body, that's metta as well. Now, somehow, if the neck got, then after that, what do they do? They put, it, they put in water first time with electric current. Second time, what do they do? Boiling water. Yeah. Why in the boiling water? To take the feathers off. So when they, when they uh, immerse it in the boiling water, the ones that missed it before, the, the mechanical knife, what happens? Now it dies from suffocation. That's metta again. There's a lot of metta going on. Uh, <laughs> Allah Akbar. If, if, if the mechanical knife got it, then still, where's the Bismillah? Bismillah is always not there. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he didn't, ju he di he didn't just say, you know, he meant there are different levels about taking the name. First he said, Those animals on which the names of Allah, other than Allah are taken. Like slaughter in the name of the actual Allah, Uzza, Manat, Hubbal, and the other. That's haram. Then the one upon... We'll say, hey, we're not eating an animal slaughter in the name of an idol. Then the second thing is, he said, no, eat from the animals upon which the name of Allah is taken. Okay, if the name of Allah is taken, it's halal. If it's not taken, ayah is sakit. It's maskut anu, meaning ayah doesn't say the hukum of that. It just says, eat that upon which the name of Allah is taken. But if the name of Allah is not taken, ayah is not saying it's haram per se, yet. But guess what? Then you have the nafi and isbat. Uh, when there is a negation followed by an exception this gives the meaning of exclusivity like la ilaha illallah so if you just say Allahu ilahun, Allah is my God that's not enough because Allah is my God but then you can add la uzza manat huba like the mushrikeen did but that's why you say la ilaha there is no other God illallah except for Allah so like same structure Allah Ta'ala says of the ayah do not eat any meat. Illa, illa, except for except for the animal upon which the name of Allah is taken. So there's no wiggle room here now. Cannot eat any meat. Illa, 
in kuntum bi if you want to be a true mu'min. If you don't want to be a mu'min, that's another matter. So this ayah categorically says that if the name of Allah is not taken, that meat is haram. Somebody says, okay, that ayat is very categorically fine, fine, fine. But the Quran also says, the meat of the kitab is halal. That's also an ayah. That's also clear. So then what do we say? Look, you're saying these two ayat contradict each other? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ لَوَجَدُوا فِيهِ do you not ponder and reflect over the Quran? If the Quran came from other than Allah, there would have been contradictions. But the Quran is from Allah, so there is no contradiction. How is there no contradiction? The only way there is no contradiction is if the Ahlul Kitab that Allah is saying they meet at halal in that specific time, they were taking the name of Allah. So because Allah said, you cannot eat the meat upon which the name of Allah is not taken. Allah Ta'ala says, you can eat the meat of Ahlul Kitab. The only way you can reconcile, called Tatbiq, between these two ayat is what? That the Ahlul Kitab were taking the name of Allah. That's why Allah said it's halal. There's no other way of interpreting it. You understand? But are they, is that today? No, it's Maita. There's all kinds of stuff happening. As a young child, I remember I went with my father to do Zabah of the goat. And we were struggling to hold it down. And to make Zabah of it. And then the, the, the guy in the Salah said, man, why are you wasting time? If it was me, I shoot a point two two bullet to his brain. I'll just shoot it. This is Mokullah, right? It's not Zabiyah. You shoot that goat. It dies, then he slaughters it. Uh, he kills it. He just shoots it. He told us. I remember I was, uh, I didn't know the whole tafsir at that point. But I was thinking, well, that doesn't sound right. Uh, so, <laughs> and then, <coughs> um, so, you know, Mufti Daqir Uthmani, he has that Akam Zabayf in Islam, beautiful work that he presented in the Fiqh Council in Jeddah. He's the Vice President of the, um, of the Fiqh Council in Jeddah. And uh, he mentions like the Taqih he went, you know, like the captive bolt pistol. Of course you're aware of that. So when they, like the, the knocking out reminded me, like the cows are huge. We talked about the chicken, what about the cow? The cow is such a huge, powerful animal. Cow is so much bigger. That's why Allah Ta'ala says, Subhanallah. Subhanallah, Allah is the one who subjugated these animals for us that we are riding. Because by definition, the markup is bigger and stronger than the rakib. By definition. That the animal that you're riding is going to be bigger and powerful than you. If it's weaker and smaller than you, then how are you riding it? Right? So it's, it has to be bigger and stronger than you. If it's bigger and stronger than you, then why is it allowing you to ride on its back? Why don't you say, forget it, get off me? I'm stronger and bigger than you. Because subhanallah, Allah has subjugated the animal for your khidmah. So anyway, the cow is so huge. So what, what do they do? If they want to slaughter it, it's, it's difficult. They don't want to bother tying it and bringing it down. So they take a, a, a captive bolt pistol, which is like a gun, big gun. I went and saw this as well. And instead of a bullet coming out, a big iron rod comes out. Big iron rod comes out. And they take it and they, they shoot the brain of the cow. It goes inside and cr cr crash. It's so strong, it goes, breaks through the skull. It's not like a, a neurosurgeon, you know, diligently, you know, very precisely sawing into the skull. They just go, smashes the whole skull goes, and goes straight into the brain. And then after that, the animal is not senseless. It remains alive for a short period of time, then it dies because it's going to be brain dead. It's like blunt trauma, yeah. It's trauma, yeah, yeah. It's severe trauma, so much painful. Whereas, you know, the different uh, studies were done when they put the nodes on the, on the brains of the different animals and the absolute painless method of, of the least pain in the method of killing an animal is which one? Islam. Yeah. 
Because when you severe these things, uh, the, the four vessels, so much blood is lost, the animal goes immediately into shock and doesn't feel the pain. Whereas they're giving the most painful death. Then what happens? If you slaughter it technically right away while still alive, it's a big major sin, what happened? But the animal would be still halal. But there's a sin of the torture you did. But, but when he went for that um, inspection, Muftidak Yusmani has it. So the guys, what they did, they used a captive bolt pistol on one cow. Then they shot the second cow. They didn't zabab it. They didn't slaughter it. Third, fourth. They did 40 cows. After 40 cows, what did they do? Coffee break. Yeah, they went for a break. <laughs> then after they came back from the break, they're all dead. All Harimat Ali Kumul, Maita, number one. They're all Maita. Then they slaughtered them. And the same reason why we do slaughter this is so that the heart is still pumping, right? The heart is pumping for a while, the animal is kicking. While the heart is pumping, what happens? All the blood flows. The, masfuhan, the, the flowing blood is all expelled. But what do they want to do? They don't want the flowing blood to be expelled. They want to maintain the blood. Why do they want to maintain Do they love blood? No, they love money. So they love money. So how do, where's the money in the picture? Where's, I don't see the green, I see the red blood. <laughs> the blood, the money is because you're, these big slaughterhouses are doing thousands and thousands of pounds of meat. So what happens, the more blood that is maintained in the, in the carcass, the heavier it's on the scale. The scale of sins. So it's heavier, the, more, the heavier it is, it trans translates into more dollars. So the heavier the carcass is, the more money you get. So they want to maintain, that's where the whole vertical and horizontal thing comes. Like this, instead of making zaba, then they stab the heart. They stab the heart and going through the uh, ventricles and the, all the, the chambers of the heart, they want to kill, stop the heart. Why are you going right after the heart? Why are you so obsessed by stabbing the heart? Because you don't want it to continue pumping. Why you don't want it to continue pumping? Because we don't want the blood to go out so that we have more weight in the animal and we can make more money. So I mean, there's a lot. That's why I told you it's an hour and a half, right? So much detail about why all of these animals outside are not the ladina utul kitab. They are all maita. So if a Christian starts eating khinzir, it's haram. Christian starts eating maita, it's also haram. But the ayah is valid. Like if you have an interfaith barbecue. So we say, okay. So the rabbi comes slaughter an animal in the name of God. The Christian slaughter an animal in the name of God. Muslim slaughters an animal in the name of Allah. So what's the hukum of the meat? Absolutely halal. It's jayas. Yeah. It's jayas. Yeah. If this happens, to make it about that, you know why I'm going so out of my way? Anawalul means I'll be the first one to eat. The reason I'm making, why do I have to eat it? No, a reason I would love to eat it is because these people, when they attack us, the Mujawizin camp, those who say everything is jayas, they abuse us by saying, you guys are rejecting the Quran, you don't believe in the Quran, you're haram police, you're making haram. Allah said it's halal, you don't believe in the Quranic ayah. So there's, you don't understand like all the abuse, all the trauma behind why I'm saying this. Like, why do you have to eat the. Rabbi slaughtered meat, man. Come on, eat the Muslim one. Yeah, I want to eat the rabbi's one and I want to eat the Christian one to prove that I believe in the ayah. Allah made it halal. Don't tell me I'm rejecting the Quran. How painful is it to hear when people say, oh, you don't believe in the Quran. Right? So, but is the proper place for it? Not the maitha. Sorry if I took too long. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, after hearing all that, I think I might become vegetarian, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know if I want to eat meat ever again. <laughs> Oh, well.
Um, no, but, uh, but I think it's very informative and uh, important for us to understand what is going on in the whole industry and, yeah. and, and the meat industry in, in particular because um, you just can hear sort of the industrialization of, of the whole um, you know, situation, right? Yeah. Um, There's that famous documentary in the book, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, I forget the, the name of it, but yeah, no, there's, I mean, there's, there's been, you know, so many, um, kind of, uh, exposés on, on the meat industry and its pitfalls and all, and all the challenges. So, um, yeah, subhanAllah. Um, so I guess maybe perhaps, um, so we can maybe pivot to, um, talking about, um, the Islamic finance, um, kind of realm. I know that's another, uh, very, uh, uh you know, like a hotly, de, you know, debated, um, subject, but, uh, you know, I guess like from, you know, hearsay and from hearing from, you know, family and friends, you know, there's this big misconception or, or uh, misunderstanding that many people feel that, um, you know, like from a, the Ahiran's, uh, you know, perspective, it, it looks the same or it, it, it feels the same, right? Like uh, whether it's conventional, you know, financing or uh, Islamic financing. So what is the difference, right? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the difference really comes into definitions of how you define something, yeah. right? Subhanallah. So basically, there's one level of the ummah that say, okay, you know, it's um, time to go for hajj, particularly because you're investing a lot of money, you want your hajj to count, let's go attend a fiqh of hajj seminar. Because I'm spending all the money and then what if my hajj is rejected? That's mashallah, we applaud that concern in the ummah. So fiqh of hajj, fiqh of salah, well, my parents tell me I don't really don't need to know that. That's what we feel. Uh, fiqh of psalm, maybe. Fiqh of zakat, it's the longest seminar of the year. Four hours, five hours with the Q&A. People want to know how to calculate zakat. So when it comes to ibadat, we feel, okay, the sharia has given us guidelines. When it comes to mu'amalat, financial dealings in particular, we'll also go for consultation with a financial consultant. Right? How to invest my money? Why do we need to go to mufti or, to, uh, or a scholar or to study the deen about that? So we have created this difference between mu'amalat and ibadat. And our uh, beautiful, um, well-known hidayah, al-hidayah in the book of fiqh, Sheikh Marghinani Al-Farghinani, Rahmatullah When he wrote this book, first he wrote the Bidayatul Muqtadi, Introduction to a Beginner, small pamphlet. People mocked him and said, oh, you call, call Shaykh Al-Islam, he wrote such a small book. Then he wrote the Kifayatul Muntahi, which is sufficient for the one reaching the depth, which is 80 volumes. So 80 volumes, himself he wrote it. So he wrote Bidayatul Muqtadi, Primer for the Beginner, then Kifayatul Muntahi, that which is sufficient for the one who wants to reach the Intiha, the end. People said, you need Umar Nuh to read this, long life. How are we going to read 80 volumes? <laughs> you wrote it so fast, but how are we going to even read it? So then, because Karamat al-Awliya Haq, he had Barakah in his time. So then what happened is then he wrote the Al-Hidayah, four volumes. The reason I'm talking about this is, there's so much you can talk about Hidayah, but I'm just talking about the fact that there are four volumes. That's how I went to the one pamphlet, to 80 volumes, then became four. And then he said, وَلِنَّا سِفِي مَا يَعْشِقُونَ مَزَاهِبُ you have your options, A, B, C. You want a brief one, go for the Bidayat al-Mutati. You want detail, go to Kifaya. If you want the middle path, is Hidayah. Four volumes. So from the four volumes, one, the first volume is Tahara, Salat, Zakat, Som, Hajj. All Ibadat is one volume. And our dealings is three volumes. So very simple math. Mu'amalat is three-fourth of fiqh. Going back to interfaith or Dawah, we always say this statement. At least I heard this a lot growing up. What? Islam is a... Complete way of life. All right, there you go. I say the mutta, you say the khabar. I say the subject, you'll say the predicate. Islam is complete way of life. 
What does a complete way of life mean? It's not just relegated to our worship. It covers every aspect of life, even the dealings. So this concept is that, man, why are you telling us about money? This was the concept of which nation? Qawma Shu'aib. What did they tell Khatib al-Anbiya Shu'aib salam? They said, As-Salatuka, maybe you're performing too much Salah. That's where this statement starts from. As-Salatuka ta'muruka. Maybe you prayed so much Salah that you start going cuckoo. You got crazy. Because you're praying too much. As-Salatuka ta'muruka an natruka ma abdu abauna wa naf'ala fi amwalina ma nasha inna al-halim rashid you're praying so much, you've gone crazy that you, for some reason, begin to think you have the authority to tell us that we cannot do what we want with our money. You're telling us how we can earn money, how we can spend money. How dare you have that right? This is so crazy, nonsensical. Maybe it's because you're praying too much. So this is what we think, like earning, spending, buying. What does deen have to do with that? Dina absolutely covers that. That's one of the first four questions. No one can move from the place until they answer four questions. How do you spend your life? How do you spend your youth? How did you earn your livelihood? How did you spend it? How much knowledge of deen did you acquire and how much of that you acquired your practice upon? Allah is going to ask us about it. So the deen, the fiqh, pertains to dealings as well. So when it comes to earning, there's halal and haram too. Riba, Allah has made haram. Yamhaqullah riba, Allah will destroy the economy through riba. Weir bi sadaqat will increase it through sadaqat. What does that mean? You know, people make it the deen so hard. Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَا أَتِيتُمْ مِنْ زَكَاتٍ رِدُونَ وَجْهَ اللَّهِ فَأُولَيْكَ مُنْ If you give zakat, that will increase your wealth. When you charge riba, that will not increase your wealth. So this is not a hearsay, the following statement. I was personally, as a student in life, part of this gathering one time. I was sitting in a gathering. Literally, the following is a real story. There was a person sitting and addressing. May Allah guide him and guide all of us. Say Amin. Okay. So he, he was saying, he addressed the crowd. And he said, oh, if a person is $100, and he charges 10% interest. So he gives somebody a loan. Then how much does he have? Everyone said, oh, that's easy, right? 110? 10. 10. Somebody has $100 and he gives 10 in sadaqah. How many does he have? 90. So then he asks us, uh, is 90 grade or 110? So what type of math level is that? First grade or even kindergarten, right? No, not kindergarten. Five-year-olds are kindergarten. This is, pre, this is like preschool. Third, PK. What is it? Three or two? Not two. They have to be diaper trained, right? Three, four years old kids. They know that 110 is greater than 90. I was like, okay, what's going on here? So I said, yeah, we all said, I was guilty too. We all said 110, or it's not guilty, it's right. That's my point. I said, we all said 110 is greater than 90. He addressed the crowd and he said that you and your math is wrong. It's anti-Quran. He literally told us, I was there sitting in the crowd just like you are today. I said, what? He said, the Quran says, And what you give in riba will decrease your wealth. What you give in zakat and sadaqah will increase your wealth. 90 is greater than 110. You're, the math is wrong. So what are we doing? We are presenting the Quran in such a manner that is making it seem so irrational. That's not 
how to interpret it. The beautiful interpretation is that, very simple. The Quran is rational. So you may understand. It's not anti-aqal. It explains to us in the most rational manner. Basically, the Quran is identifying for us that, guess what? Of course, 110 as a number is greater than 90 as a number. The Quran is telling us that the way you are measuring wealth is incorrect. You're not supposed to measure wealth by quantifying it. You're supposed to measure wealth by the amount of benefit you derive from it. Because at the end of the day, what do you do with the money? Do you eat the money? No. You spend the money to buy things and with the things you, uh, you, you will get comfort and your needs will be fulfilled. So this is the amwalak wa qiyaman. This is the qiyam of hayat, the means of t fulfilling your needs in this worldly life, Allah says. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that the quantity of 110 is greater than 90. No doubt about it. But the true measure of wealth is not by quantifying it. But the true measure of wealth rather is what? How much benefit you derive from it. So the benefit that you will derive, the comfort, the contentment, the happiness, the enjoyment, the even the luxury, the peace of mind from the 90. It's far greater than the tension and the anxiety and the depression and the heartache associated with 110. This is what it means. So you will have much more benefit from the 90 than you will have with 110. But why are you taking this ayah and, and, and attacking in math? <laughs> if there's any subjects among so-called secular subjects that is, uh, uh, does not have inherent bias in it, it's math. History, of course, has inherent bias in it. Everyone, right? So is, uh, we talked about, is it mutiny of 1857 or is it the Mujahideen of Haji Imdadullah fighting against the British? To free their land, oh. right? The freedom fighter or an insurgent? That's his history is biased, but science is biased. Science has an inherent bias too. A lot of that's the problem. People understand history is biased, and math is not biased. So it's where does science lie? Science has an inherent atheistic bias. Hmm. Evolution is not just one chapter. It is the guiding principle of the entire study of life, biology. So anyway, so science has an inherent bias from of an atheistic perspective. History has bias too, depending on who's writing it. Math has no bias. Now you made math also anti-Islam. So anyway, so riba is haram. Allah Ta'ala says, he, what is the ayah about riba? It's such a severe ayah. No other crime, Allah Ta'ala used such a strong word. What did he say? Everyone knows that. Allah And avoid all riba if you are true believers. If you don't do so, prepare for what? War against Allah and His Rasul. So riba is war against Allah and His Rasul. There's no other sin in the Quran where this term has been used. So it's, there's no doubt about it being haram. And then, then the question is about Islamic. So this is a hila. This is a, uh, um, a different way to get around the prohibition and get your needs fulfilled. So where do we learn hila? Who taught? Is it just permitted? No, it was taught by Rasulullah in, in Khaybar, at that occasion, there were some, one sahabi came to Rasulullah and he said that I traded, I made all, a lot of profit by trading these dates for dates. High quality dates for low quality dates. And instead of it being yadin biyadin, mislin bimithlin, it has to be the same quantity on both sides. Now, I can't go into the whole riba al-fadl, riba al-nasiyah. There's different types of riba. This is riba al-fadl. 
riba of transactions of bartering. It's different from the riba you get. People get now we get people get from the bank, right? Or people are paying to the bank. That's a different riba. This is another riba. So he, like if I had a, um, a, a crate of 10 pounds of dates and, and I give it to you and you're giving me 15 pounds of dates. This is also called riba. But they were different qualities. But the difference in the quality doesn't make a difference. It's, it's supposed to be the same amount. So Kaili and uh, Wazani and Ma'aljins. It's basically it's haram, right? It's beyond the scope of today. Then what happens? He, he said, oh, I made some profit. Nabi Salaam said, no, no, don't do that. If I, if I have, for example, a crate of 10-pound 10, 10 uh, high-quality dates, and you have 20 pounds low-quality dates, and I want to trade it. Nabi Salaam taught. He didn't just, he not only approved it, he taught it. It's not taqdeer where he approved it. He actually taught it. He taught it. He instructed. He said, look, what you need to do is you take your, you want to trade 10 for 20, don't do that. Take your 10, sell it for cash. Dirham dinar. When you get that money for it, with that money, go and buy the 20. So it's a matter of the procedure. Because you'll say, well, at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Yeah, but why did you take the extra step? It's just another step. Exactly, that's the point. What motivated you to go out of your way to take the extra step? That's the Ubudiyah right there. That's because you believe in Allah. What's the difference between prostitution and nikah? Muta'ah and or muta is the, one of the greatest ibadat in the Shia faith. Hmm. This, uh, the Nabi uh, this is modu of fabricated hadith. I read this in Mona Manzur Ahmad Numani has written a book because there was a lot of excitement when the Iranian revolution happened of Khomeini, Ayatollah Ruhullah they called him, that wow, Muslims are strong and everything. So he wrote, uh, you know, they're standing up to the West and people got excited. Uh, so he wrote a book, um, Imam Khomeini, Iranian Khilab or Shia Mazhab. which translated into English as well. Imam Khomeini, the Shia faith, and the Iranian revolution, Imam, uh, Imam Khomeini and the Shia faith. Which is very, actually, revolutionary book. It was, a land, uh, it was an amazing book. Because he went into the original Shia sources, and he quoted all of Khomeini's writings and the original classical Shia beliefs, which were hidden. And they weren't just happened to be hidden, because systematically, taqiyah and hiding the religion is part of their faith. One of the cardinal principles of the Shia mazhab is what? Taqiyya, to hide. Yeah. Because it's a historical fact that Ali Radhan was the fourth Khalifa, right? How are you going to get around it? Abu Bakr, Umar, Usman were before him. So, was he a coward? No, he's a Fatih Khaybar. He was Asadubali Ghalib, very courageous. But then he accepted them. So then was their Khilafat legitimate? No, no, it's illegitimate. They took it away, right? They usurped it. So how do you resolve that? The only way you resolve it is you're forced to ideologically to prove your wrong stance to create the false concept of what he was doing yeah exactly that's the one, that's a, that's a solution to the problem you see where because it's the only religion in the world where deception and lying is what ibadah there's no other mazhab no other batil mazhab they're all batil except for islam but the only religion in which lying is actually sin, deceiving people is a sin, hiding is a, I mean, is a virtue, <laughs> is, uh, is the Shia Muslim. So anyway, so they were doing taqiyya, they're hiding it, so he exposed it. In there he says that, the Prophet na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah, naqlu kufr laysa bi kufr. That Rasulullah sallallahu asked Ali Radhan, should I tell you an ibadah that's so virtuous, more virtuous than jihad, than hajj, than qurbani, than all of these amazing things. 
He said, Rasulullah tell me. He said, if a man and woman do the temporary marriage for a short number of hours even, muta, temporary marriage. And then they both consummate it and then they take a ghusl. For every drop of water that's coming off their body, you know, they will get so much amazing, amazing sawab of hajj and umrah and this and that. Okay. So what's the difference between haram prostitution and nikah? Procedure. What's the difference between halal meat and haram meat? Procedure. Right. What's the difference? It's procedure. So likewise, the end result is the same. If you do a na'udhu now with Muslim, with a non-Muslim, you do a taste, uh, taste test. If you have like, you know, like they have the coffee test, right? They had cheap McDonald's, Burger King, and then going up Dunkin' Donuts coffee, then they had like Starbucks and Fulan Fulan, Caribou coffee, you know, and then super exclusive like private, you know, not a branded coffee, all these coffee houses coffee, and then they give in, taste it, right? So then what would happen in the taste result? Like the $1 coffee won, right? <laughs> Over the $25 coffee. Right? So, so if you have a taste test between like the haram chicken and the halal chicken, it's very likely that you won't be able to tell the difference. Right? Why am I emphasizing it's so similar? Because of what you mentioned in your question. What do people say? Yeah, it's, it's the, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. So the, yeah, it's not the same thing. It's because of the procedure. So when it comes to Islamic financing, now if I start explaining what is diminishing musharaka, musharaka mutanakrisa, that's a whole long chapter. <laughs> then I explain murabaha model. You want me to do that? I can do that too. But I don't know. Then you have other stuff. I heard them talking about shorts and I don't know what else. <laughs> so so uh, so uh, subhanallah. So there's a lot of stuff you want to talk about. It's halal lifestyle. Remember, Islam is a complete way of. Life. Life, right. So, uh, so, but they're diminishing musharaka guidance or Divan Bank does murabaha. They are different models. And there, it, it, to you, it may seem like the same thing, but it's not the same thing. There, is, there, there are different things that are happening to make it permissible. And if somebody says, oh, this is just a hila karain, that there's a whole kitab, there's a hila in the Jadeen, kitab al-hiyal in Bukhari. The Bishasam taught us hila. So procedurally is correct. Like, from all of these models, murabaha is the simplest one. Should I explain murabaha? I'll give you an example. You're going to say this is all theoretical. Give me an example. Example is murabaha. Murabaha is that, see, if I give you money and then I ask you to give me more money back over time, what is this? Reba, if I put it as a condition. Yeah. If I don't put it as a condition and you do it out of your own will, it's permissible. In fact, it's ethically you should sometimes. What? Yeah, in cases of crazy inflation, and you returning rupees after 40 years, Tawbatillah. You went to Darussalam at the coffee and you said, Tawbatillah, 40 years ago I borrowed rupees. <laughs> right? One lakh. Lakh, right? In English, we don't, we don't have lakhs. No. Why do we don't have lakhs? Because we have hundreds and thousands. Then you go straight to millions. millions yeah. There's no word for 100,000. Right. Anyway, so if you go, if you, in, in, in the Arabic original language, what did they have? They have the numbers 1 through 10. Then they had what? Miyatun 100 and Alfun 1000. That's yeah. it. Yeah. After Alfun, they don't have lakhs, 100,000. They didn't have million or billion or zillion. <laughs> because the entire population wise, money wise, anything wise, there was no concept of everything beyond Alf, the thousands. You know. So all this million and billion, zillion, this came after oil was discovered. <laughs> so, uh, <so> anyway, love. <laughs> what are you talking about? 
مرابحة
for 600,000 with installments over 30 years. Mm. So that, that's a halal model. That's a murabah model. Diminishing musharaka is more complicated. So, so the, the procedure is what makes Islamic financing halal. The lack of that procedure is what makes riba haram. And going that extra step is, is, is that, that's your abudiyah to Allah, showing your slave to Allah that you are submitting to His command. So, uh, you know, I guess like, is there a certain contract that you, you feel that is stronger amongst the Yeah, so the not all models? of them. Like, you know, there was a Los Angeles Realtors and Investment Bankers Association, otherwise commonly marketed as La Riba. <laughs> L-A-R-I-B-A. It was, it was Los Angeles Realtors and Investment Bankers Association. Then they're like, let's make it La Riba. Right? It's like um, acquired immune deficiency syndrome became AIDS. Right? <laughs> so, so it's an acronym. So the, La Riba is Ain Riba. It's actually 100% Riba. Yeah. Uh, but then you have, uh, you have the correct ones that I know of. It's like guidance, some financial. Muftitaqi Usmani, Hafidahullah. He is on the surprise board of guidance. He's actually always reviewing it, always auditing it, and he's the one who created the principles for it. All right, he's global master in Islamic finance. And then you have um, University of Islamic Finance. Yeah, UIF, yeah. UIF, and then we have Diwan Bank. These three are confirmed. Yeah, G. Guidance is halal, yeah. Mm. No, yeah. So there, 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 there is, there is a whole concept of okay. It seems like the bank buys and gives it to you, but they're not going to be assuming liability. So does it? There's, there's a detail to that why the the non murabaha model will not be halal. We can go into the whole details of you, huh? Yeah. So it's it's so if it is done properly, the Sharia compliant Murabah contract is halal. Then some people, you know, they say, oh, like there's another. There's a lot of questions on this one. This, this would itself be a, definitely an hour and a half, it's just like the Zabiya one would have been. Uh, because you know, there's a whole principle of like when it says, oh, it says interest. Mm, you yeah. get this. This is another FEQ. It says interest in your guidance statement. Yeah. So what's up about that? Is it interest haram? I did all this to avoid interest. At a worse, as a more difficult rate, and then it says, says interest on my end of the year statement. <laughs> so there's another principle here. Al-i'tibaru lil maani faqat fil muamalat. Wal-i'tibaru lil alfadi wal maani maan fil ibadat. In ibadat, what is important is you have to make sure the alfad, the word, and the maani both are complying with the order of Allah. So when you're starting salah, you have to say Allahu Akbar in takbir al-tahrim. You can't start off by saying God is greatest. In Farsi. <laughs> you have to say Allahu Akbar. Isn't it? Okay. When you have a nikah, which is mu'amala, uh, then what happens in nikah? Well, nikah is actually murakkab hybrid, mu'amala and ibadah, both. That's why when you, the chapters of fiqh in book of fiqh or a sunan, book of hadith, which is divided according to chapters of fiqh, there's two tartibs. First, they have taharat, salat, zakat, sumahaj, ibadat. Then they have mu'amalat, buying and selling, all this, will you? Then at the end they have a combination of both, which is nikah. Because nikah has an ibadah component and a mu'amalah component. That's one tartib. The other tartib is 
You start with ibadat, then you do the mixed one, nikah, kitab nikah, that's like in hidayah, hidayah sani, the second part. Then you move on to, as like a bridge, it's half ibadah, half mamala, then you go to pure mamala, we were at the end. Right? So, so nikah is a, has a mamala component. So when you started salah, you had to say Allahu Akbar. Can you say God is the greatest? No. But when you do a nikah, so you're facing the qibla as the imam, he says Allahu Akbar. Then he turns around and does a nikah. When he does a nikah, he says, do you accept the girl so-and-so, the daughter and so-and-so, the mahar so-and-so, in the presence of the witness and so-and-so, do you accept her in your nikah? So if he says, qabil tuha, nikah is valid. I've accepted her, nikah is valid. Jimene qabul kiya, the nikah is valid. So, aitibar is for the ma'ani, not for the alfal. In mu'amalat, what counts is the, the meaning, not the words. So, in that statement, is it, according to the sharia concept, is it riba or not? It isn't. According to um, the definition of the IRS or the banking system here, if it's called interest, so be it. What, what counts, the wording or the meaning? The meaning. Why? Because this is a mu'amala. So, it, from the Sharia definition perspective, that is not riba. Even though it may state on their interest. Yeah. This is a very long topic. If you're if not going to touch it, is it already Shrak time? I think uh, Shrak is at. should be time soon. Five minutes? Sunrise, nine minutes ago. Nine okay. minutes. So we have a few more minutes. If you want to quickly touch on some of the topics that were announced, so that, like false advertising. <laughs> oh, what is it? Over-promising, under-delivering. <laughs> so we just talked about... How many other topics you had? Uh, there's a few more, but I, I guess perhaps maybe we could end with uh, the last piece of... Um, mm. yeah, just. I didn't even get into the Darul Harb. Yeah, I, 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 I was I was trying to dodge around that, but <laughs> but oh, we can if you Darul want. Darul Harb, you want to talk about Darul? We might be here till. Uh, that was your question. We might be here till the time if we start that. <laughs> Those who say sorry, I can one There, there are those who are using conventional mortgages and then they just say, I could care less about Sharia, whatever, and they just say it. That, that, they just make it halal on their own. That's one aspect. The other aspect is those who say, the Dara Harb. Oh, okay. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> the Dara Harb issue is, look, first of all, what does the Dar mean? Dar. You know, we have a lot, of, we have Darul Salam, Darul Hikmah, Darul Qasim, Darul Quran, Darul Fula, right? A lot of Dars. What does Dar mean? Dar means a place of abode, home. Then you have Dar. So there was, in, when Rasulullah established in Medina Manawara, a Muslim city state, that was a Darul Islam. And then there was a Darul Kufr outside. So Darul Islam, Darul Harb actually. Darul Islam and Darul Harb. So there, the, uh, Darul Islam is where the Sharia is being enforced. There's a Khalifa. And in the time of Rasulullah, there was no Khalifa. He was the leader. And the Khalifa means. The uh, representative of Rasulullah is Amir Mu'minin who comes afterwards. So that is that Islamic state is called what Darul Islam. And if they're engaged in war against uh, uh, other people who who are enemies of Islam, that was a Darul Har. Now, after the fall of the Ottoman uh, Khalifa, uh, Ottoman Caliphate, Uthmani Khilafah and Ottoman Caliphate, then what happened? The, there is no Darul Islam anymore. Um, so what do we call 
where we're living now. Is it, is it a Darul Islam? Sharia law. <laughs> it's being enforced? No. And, and then, uh, what it, then is this a Darul Harb? That's where the issue is. Is it a Darul Harb or not? Yeah. The Darul Harb, there are some key identifying things of Darul Harb. First thing is, Darul Harb is the place where the Sha'ir of Islam cannot be implemented. Like the Adhan is not permitted to be called. You're not allowed to uh, practice your deen. An example of that is till today, may Allah relieve their suffering huh? in China. Right. Well, we don't want to call it China, Turkmenistan, occupied by China. Yeah. Right. Uh, the Uyghurs, right, our Muslim brothers. So they're, they're like forced raids. If you have a light on in suhoor time, why are you fasting? You go to jail for fasting. Forced feeding them pork in the day, in Ramadan. Right. And the concentration camps and uh, re-educating them to leave their deen and uh, forcible sterilization of the women to ensure that they do not have Muslim children killing all, genocide is taking place right now so that is a dar, that's a Darul Harb so so you cannot practice your deen and uh, regarding such people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says well, the tawafatul malaikatu Allah when the malaika come to take their souls why did you not fulfill the order of Allah they will say, we are weak and oppressed in the land. Allah will say, there's an exemption coming. I know this is harsh now. I just talked about the Uyghurs. Allah will say, Was not the earth of Allah expansive? So you couldn't make hijrah. You should have left your homeland. Because the deen of Allah is more important than your, your watan, your homeland. But then Allah Ta'ala says, Except for those who are so weak that they have no opportunity and they are helpless. Then Allah will forgive them and He's a He's a forgiving merciful. So that's the Darul Harb. What is the hukum of the Darul Harb? It is haram to stay in a Darul Harb. The only thing is permissible is if you have a visa without permanent status. Like you go for a tourist visa from Darul Islam to Darul Harb or business visa, Muslim would be Tajirs would go to Darul Harb. But permanent occupancy, getting a green card in Darul Harb is haram. That's straight up, right? And they're not allowing you to implement the deen. <clears throat> so this is not a Darul Harb because we are all living here. And we are living here, what? With the intention of implementing the deen and giving da'wah. And we are allowed to practice our deen. And it's not for us to make hijrah from it. And, uh, and there's no Darul Islam. So what is it? It's not Darul Islam either. It's not Darul Harb. So this is where the, you know, we have a contemporary faith and different approaches. And then they created a new category based on the evolving political landscape. What is that? Darul Aman. Aman, right. Darul Aman is a place where it's not Darul Islam, it's not Darul Harb, but it's a Dar of Aman, place of safety. It's like uh, Ethiopia, in the time of Rasulullah hmm. So Najashi, you know, he did not implement the Sharia in Abyssinia, Ethiopia, nor was he preventing them. So Darul Aman has some historical um, precedent. Ethiopia, in the time of Rasulullah where they first made Hijrah to. Makkah was what? Darul Harb. Medina was Darul Islam. In Ethiopia was Darul Aman. So we are in Darul Aman. Now, uh, according to Imam Shafi'i, Malik, and Ahmad, the three Imams, riba take, giving and taking is not permissible with, uh, in Darul Harb even. But according to Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullahi, even Imam Sahib and Abu Yusuf Muhammad have different, differed from him. According to Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullahi, he was saying, when you go into Darul Harb, their wealth is, is not uh, their money that they have. It, in the case of a battle, it's permissible for you to take. Because they were engaged in, in a perpetual conflict. 
So if he is without khida'ah, without deception, willingly giving you extra money, because he needs a loan from you, and he says, I will give you back. And this is a harbi in Darul Harb. It's a resident of Darul Harb, and, and, and he is giving the money which is halal for you to consume. Anyway, then it would be permissible with certain those restrictions. So that concept has been taken and then is a, being applied to all the conventional mortgages here in America. But is this truly a Darul Harb? So all of the leading Islamic fiqh councils, many, the same Mufti Taqi Uthmani, Habibullah, all of them are of Ustaz Mufti Radha al Haq. They all say that this is not Darul Harb. Otherwise, he's working day and night. And the scholars in Manama Bahrain, the international um, headquarters of the Islamic uh, finance, to come up with Sharia compliant financial models. The entire exercise, exercise in futility, you don't need it because in the entire West, at least in the West, you don't need it because in the entire West, we have now made it Darul Harb and all of it is permissible. So why, why Mufti Taqi Sahib, he never crossed his mind? He never figured that out. You figured it out before him? Right? So, uh, uh, so uh, there's a reason why there needs to be Islamic finances here, in, in, even in the West, is because they're not buying the story that it is. Darul Harb. And may Allah Ta'ala protect us from falling into riba. Okay, you wanted to, you, there were, what were just the topics that you had? I, don't, I was interested um, to know. Yes, I think Maybe there if was I can give like a, just a quick uh, flight through them. With yeah, so there's... Uh, rapid fire. Yeah, so there's the, the topic about um, halal income, which kind of covered, I guess, but... Um, uh, income? Yeah, like, uh, you know, like, you know... Halal, yeah. Yeah, professions. What, like what subway. You own a subway, you own a gas station. Gas station, what could be more halal than gas from the land, secret land? <laughs> right. So, yeah, but there's lotto there too. There's pork skins there too. And if I take away the lotto, I'm not going to get customers. They come for the lotto because, you know, and then they buy gas. That's the test of your iman. Uh, subways are so hot, the, the franchises are just like the, every few minutes. There's a subway there, then you go on North Avenue, make a right at subway, then make a left at subway too. So many, so there's, people like those subs. Yeah, but there's ham, right? So, um, um, and meta, forget about ham and all that, that's haram, but meta, selling meta also is haram. Recently there was one brother who was saying that, you know, he, went, he says that he, will, he buys a halal chicken, zabiya chicken, from Fatima brand, which is zabiya halal, and he will fry it separately, and he said that, you know, can we feed it? This happened just now, this is the girl. And, and it's confirmed from Fulam. But one word over there <clears throat> um, was a key word. What word was that? That raised my eyebrows. Red flag. You know what, what did he say? I'll fry it? Separately. I was like, separate from what? Oh, I also sell? Maita, machine slaughter. But this will be separate. So then, what's the ruling of that? If it's halal chicken fried separately, that part is okay. But the fact that you're selling meta is what? Haram. It's like the drug dealer tells his kids, don't, don't take drugs. He doesn't take drugs himself. Not a successful drug dealer, <laughs> right? right. So, the, so it's like that. You're, you're feeding. So if you sell meta and you're selling machine slaughter chicken, that's also what? Income is haram. So there's a lot of haram income. That, you know, different things. That was one topic. What else was it? Uh, maybe you could cover uh, really quickly the um, the idea of like 
you know, like halal entertainment, like halal entertainment. Oh yeah, halal entertainment. I mean, yeah, this is uh, the ghina. We talked about ghina in the music in one of the tafsirs recently. hadith from Surah Luqman. Music Allah subhanahu wa taala speaks about in the Quran. Music Rasulullah says in the hadith. Music causes hypocrisy to grow in the heart. Like the water makes the crops grow. And subhanAllah, these, uh, the lyrics themselves are so haram in their, in their very nature. There's an exception except for those who have iman. The rest of these people, uh, songwriters, Allah is uh, speaking about them in the Quran. And it increases one's shahwat. The dancing component increases one's shahwat and, um, and desires. And all these instruments that a person is playing uh, along with it is haram. Now people have made that jayas too. So this is a period of time we're living in where all the haram is being made into halal. So it's that if you're playing music at a, your walima and a wedding, and you say, you know, oh, yes, just once in a lifetime, hopefully. <laughs> right? So uh, then, you know, we're just having fun. No, it's not that. It's a, not only that. That's also bad, but fine, whatever. I'm not saying it's okay, but you know, that's also haram because that's going to impact your marriage if you have haram in your walima or your reception. But what's worse is that if it's an Islamic conference, Islamic conference, Islamic. Uh, Society of Lombard, for example. So, uh, so uh, we're having a conference uh, of Northern Lombard. Uh, so, um, uh, so, and we have a, a full-blown concert. It's not just that the the girls are screaming at the rock star. It's the guys are screaming at the, at the female singer, and the girls are screaming at the guy, and or same gender, opposite gender at this time and age doesn't make a difference, right? Everyone is screaming at the sing- and they're dancing. It's a full-on like full-blown concert going on. It's an Islamic conference. It's the entertainment night. So all of this is what? Absolutely haram. So we, we have entertainment. We have halal entertainment. I mean, you get married and you want to have time with your wife. You know, you go to, you go to the beach too. That's like you'll say, that's the most haram place. Naked people. Yeah, but you go at uh, tahajjud time. Pray <laughs> tahajjud on the beach. Why not? Uh, you can have your suhoor on. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. All right. So uh, you shouldn't be fasting in your honeymoon, right? There's a time for everything. There was a three Sahaba. The Kitab Nikah, first chapter in Sahih Bukhari is Targhib and Nikah. So there's a hadith of the three people who wanted to do ibadah. So one said, La asumu abada, and other, I'll fast every day, I will stand up all night, and I will not marry. Nabi said, No, you have to fulfill the rights of everyone. Fulfill the right. Your wife has a right, your children have a right, and you know, your ibadah. So balance. So anyway, you have to go, you, can, you have to avoid the fitna. You have to go out of your way to avoid fitna. You, 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 know, you're, you need to buy something, so you go to the shopping mall on a Saturday night. And you say, Astaghfirullah, it's so hard to control the gaze. You're going at the, why are you going to the mall? If you can get it in another store, you can buy it online. And then why are you going on Saturday night? When, that's when people are going out on their dates and everyone, it's a haram environment. So you have to uh, make uh, smart decisions to avoid the fitna. So you, you have to find halal avenues of entertainment, halal avenues of, 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 of fulfilling your needs. And you have to think about it and come up with solutions. 
That was entertainment. And then the other thing was about like uh, like Islamic uh, like attire. And Islamic attire. Yeah. You know, there's another whole concept. They say that look, taqwa is in the heart. No matter how I dress, Allah doesn't look at your external conditions. He looks at your qulub become your hearts. So what's the, the thing is, it's not just what's in your heart. Iman is that which penetrates the heart. Should be proven through, testified to by the body parts. So the outside, external appearance is also important. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there's a principle. Whatever Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made dua for and sought, it's matlub. That means it's maqsood, it's an objective. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made a dua. Allahumma ja'al batini khayram min zahiri wa ja'al zahiri saliha. Oh Allah, make my inside better than my outside. And then he didn't say, and the outside doesn't matter. What did he say? Make my external condition to be righteous. So the dhahir needs to be salih. There's a zeal salaha. There's an attire of the righteous ones. So the external condition should be righteous. My dress, my appearance should also uh, be of the righteous ones. And my inside should be what? Even better. Make my batin better than my zahir, make my zahir salih. So nowadays there's a whole movement that desire doesn't make a difference, no matter what you do. Now there's different levels of it. There's the farad level of libas, and then there's like mustahab level. The farad is, The mushrikun, they come up with crazy things. One of the things they said is that, you know, we disobey Allah in these clothes. How dare we make tawaf of the baytullah in the clothes in which we disobey Allah. So what's the solution? Tawaf naked. They used to make tawaf of the... They do tawaf naked and then say Allah commanded us. So then in response Allah Ta'ala says, Ya Bani Adam, O children Adam, completely cover yourself in the best manner with zina when you come to perform salah. So, you know, if you have an appointment with uh, your landscaper guy, so you may, you may be in a t-shirt and, and uh, shorts covering up to your knees, right, to go visit him. But then you have an interview for a new job. You're going to show up in a t-shirt and shorts? I don't know nowadays what's going to happen, actually. Uh, and then if you have an appointment with... Um, back in the day when there was some level of respect, I used to say, oh, you got an appointment at where? Oval Office, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, otherwise known as the, the White House. But th that office has lost any worldly respect as well. The most despicable of the nation shall rule them. One of the signs of the day of judgment. But if you have a, say, a king from the old times, when they actually had respect and power, you have an appointment with the king of the world. One world government. There's one king of the whole world. You have an appointment with him. How are you going to dress? So you have an appointment five times a day with whom? The owner of all kingdoms. You grant the kingdom whom you watch, you snatch it from whom you want. You grant honor to whom you want, disgrace to whom you want. You come in to worship him. So how are you going to dress? Short sleeves, um, shorts. Um, so these things. Now, if one of the sharth of condition for the validity of the ibadah is you cover your aura. For the male is... Um, from the navel till the knee. Now there's tahta surah ila tahta rukba or fokh surah ila fokh rukba. There's some ikhtilaf. Is it above the navel to above the knee or below the navel to below the knee? You want to be, khuruj bin al-khilaf is awla, to better is that above the navel to below the knee. Right? 
So you so cover this is minimum you have to cover. In the stores, I don't know if they still have they used to have the sign, no shoes, no shirt. No sir. No service, <laughs> right. So you 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 go you're coming to the house of Allah, you're gonna come bare chested? Right? You're gonna come with just shorts? So no, that's the minimum follow the requirement. But then on top of that, you should wear the most beautiful attire, complete attire, which starts from covering the head and to, uh, and to have loose-fitting clothes. Um, the particular style of the cut and the tailoring is not necessarily established, but one basic principle is that it's loose-fitting. Loose-fitting, not tight. And one common factor, uh, denominator in all the Islamic clothing, Islamic culture, it's called Islamic culture for a reason because it has some Islamic elements. As soon as you say culture, you say, oh man, that's all culture. But which culture? Islamic culture. Yeah, so, well, I don't want that Islamic culture. No, certain elements of Islamic culture is actually based on Islam. Certain elements, uh, then you'll say, well, that's the Hindu culture that came into Islam. Or that's the other culture. But that's not true Islamic culture. Islamic culture, by definition, is Islamic. So what do you see in the Islamic culture? Whether it's like from the Nigerian West African kurta, to the Malaysian kurta, to the other, the shirt, the top, qamis. In Arabic, it's called qamis. Is what? It's extended. How extended? To cover the aura double. Up to your knee, should be covered double. Why? Because the lower garment, if it's tight, then you're exposing the, the thighs, the shape and thighs and dimensions, right? Of the, not only the thighs and what's above the thighs. Uh, and also, mm, so, so you covered it once, then you covered it a second time. So if you have a upper garment, to have for it to be extended past the knee in such a manner that the both legs are not separated. Can you, that's exactly what's happening. Because Nabi Sallallahu said, The curse of Allah be on those who are wearing clothes yet naked. Wearing clothes yet naked. So the three interpretations. How can you be wearing clothes naked? Number one is you're wearing, but you're wearing so less amount. Barely anything is covered. Like one of our sheikhs, he was visiting. We were doing a khidmah in America. Then he, uh, he was taking him around. So he said, America, somebody asked him, how did you find it? He said, He said, there are big roads, big cars, big buildings, but poor people have scarcity of clothing. They don't have enough clothes. Right? So, uh, so less clothing is number one. Number two is, is clothing, but it's what? See-through. See-through sleeves, see-through whatever. See-through sleeves would definitely be a problem for females because their aura is not navel to the knee. <laughs> their, their, their aura is the, the satar they have to cover whole body except for the face and the hands and the feet in the most liberal opinion. Other mazahib, the feet are included. In Shafi fiqh. Hmm. Right? In the Hanafi fiqh, the feet are not included. There's a reason why even if it's so hot, they'll be wearing socks. The Shafi movement, right? And the hands, the sleeves extends to cover the hand. So, uh, subhanAllah. So, wearing clothes yet naked, number one, less amount, number two, what? See-through. Number three, form-fitting, right? Form-hugging, so tight. So, clothes should be loose. Because we, what do we do when we perform salah? We go into ruku. And also we go into sajda. There you go. Aqrabu abdu ila sajidan. The closer you are to your Lord when you're in sajda, is that when you're exposing yourself? So you expose yourself and people are exposing themselves in multiple ways. First, the top garment is so short that there's a gap, a significant gap between what? The sh where the shirt ended, t-shirt, and where the pants started. 
got to close the gap. <laughs> Allah. Huh? Moon sighting? Oh. <laughs> oh, I think, we, I think one of you put a, a contemporary fiqh masal one day. We can put moon sighting that day. Okay. So, um, we got to close the gap, right? Upper garment, I'm talking about should go beneath the knees because you want to cover the aura. You are wearing pants, but you want to cover the aura what? Double. Twice. And here we have, we're creating a gap there. That's one thing. Second thing is that there is a pan, yeah, but it's so tight. So it's, these are the problems we have. And then the clothing could be haram. There's silk, Allah has made haram for the male. That's the issue, silk ties and silk clothing. And then there's the issue of the text on it. I mean, people are coming with like, whatever, Miller or something, you know, Bud Light. Yeah, yeah, what's going on? Right? Or random haram stuff. Or, or animate objects. The curse of Allah and those who are drawing the pictures. So you're drawing a picture. I mean, if it's a digital picture, there's a whole ikhtilaf on that. But this is not digital. This is on your shirt. So you have a picture of a face of an animal, face of an animate object. Right? So this is not permissible. Alright? Small, yeah. Allah Ta'ala says, Wala hawa. Nike says, just do it. <laughs> the, yeah, Puma logo, okay, you know, going into the fiqh of that. If it's so small that you can't see the face and stuff like that, there may be ruksa and jawaz there. Azima is to avoid it, but if there's a small little Puma, small little Puma. Um, yeah, Uncle is really into all brands. <laughs> Branded items. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so <laughs> if we have all these little, uh, yeah, if they're small, inshallah, but if they're big, if there's big ones, there's no ikhtilaf on it, right? If it's a small one, as you're saying, you could get away with them, maybe. So, these, huh? Yeah, on the socks, yeah. You shouldn't, even on the socks, if they're big logos, big, big animals, big uh, living human, living uh, creatures, humans or animals, then it's not a primitive. If it's, you know, that's why Islamic art, what's Islamic art is what? Geometric patterns and floral patterns, right? Calligraphy, that's Islamic art. Sometimes the diapers have cartoons. Yeah, the diapers have cartoons. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, you can just trash them. <laughs> no, if it's covered, maybe there's mahal of jawaz and that's covered. I mean, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, you know, he loved to meet Jibreel Why don't you come more? He said, We cannot come more than the appointed time from Allah Ta'ala. Jibreel had to give the excuses. The ayat is in what? Surah Maryam. So he had an appointment in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But then what happened? He didn't show up. You see that when you go to the Masjid Nabi, you have the Babun Nisa. Women's entrance? In the time of Rasulullah Sallallahu Babu Nisa is separate. Today it's called Babu Nisa. Then you have Babu Jibreel too. So Jibreel used to come from there. The woman would come from one side, and Jibreel come from the other side. Wow, what an amazing Muslim. So then uh, in Jibreel he, he didn't come. He didn't show up. You know the hadith. What happened? There was, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Inna malaik, they found a little puppy under the bed. And the one hadith. The other one was that there were pictures on the curtains. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, The angels of mercy, not the angel of death, Right. The angel of mercy do not enter a home in which there is a dog or a picture. picture. So, but if it's covered, inshallah, it's fine. If it, like in the case of the diapers, Allah alam. So, so, yeah, so these are li libas issues. 
then we have, you know, a woman, the hijab issue comes in there. That's a, like for example, here in the men's section, do we have uh, in the back, in any men's Muslim, did you see a box of uh, pants? Whoever comes to pray in the salah without pants, <laughs> sarkari pants, <laughs> right? Public <laughs> pants, like you have the sarkari topi some places, <laughs> right? <laughs> sarkari chappal, sarkari. But in, in, uh, in the um, women's sections of the masajid, what did they have? Hijab box. May Allah reward the women who have the concept, subhanAllah, that I want to wear the hijab when I pray. But did they get teleported there? That's what I think. From your family room, living room, you got teleported straight to the Musalla. That's why you came without your hijab. Do you think so? Or they came through the helicopter and they just landed? Like uh, paratroopers? No. They came on the street and the road, right? So when you're coming outside, how are you, how are you coming without a hijab? So, so, uh, so what is that? The, you know, the hijab, that's the whole thing. The hijab. Now, like just we talked about exposing the front of the head. The head. And then you have the turban hijab. Like respected members of Congress. <laughs> right. So <laughs> the turban hijab is exposing the whole neck. There are bigger issues besides the turban hijab. Like, pro-LGBT parades and all of that going on. So, uh, so you have uh, 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 the whole neck is exposed. So what is, how is the hijab supposed to be worn? That's another whole concept. There's a lot of issues with libas. May Allah Ta'ala guide us. No, if it's really small, such that it's, it's, it, you, will, um, you will not necessarily see it, it's very small and significant, then you can ignore it. But if it's a big, and it's a big imprint of an animal, and then you just say, oh, it's outlined, and it's colored, and everything, and you know, it just doesn't have the eyes, you can't go with that, no. Yeah. Okay. You're what? Uh-huh. Yes. She has this hijab, you know, covered the head, right? But the rest of the body, you can see almost every yeah, part okay. of the legs, how, how is that? <laughs> yeah, subhanAllah. Subhanallah. So that is a very beautiful thing. One, bro one, um, um, one brother also, he told me that this is, you should talk about this Musa because there, you know, he was coming from a very uh, nice and kind perspective. He said that there are our beloved sisters, uh, our own, from our ummah, our brothers, our sisters who are wearing hijab and they're wearing, as he, the uncle mentioned, for those who are listening online, they didn't hear it, uh, wearing uh, very, very tight form, uh, tight skinny jeans, right? It's called skinny jeans. The reason is to cut that way, designed that way, for a particular purpose to flaunt your body. So he said that, Mutizab, he came to me with so much concern, he said that, uh, he was a very kind person who said this, who said this, very, by his nature, he's a very gentle person. He's not like a haram police. He said that these bichari bachiyan, he said the fact that they're wearing hijab is because that's not part of the Western dress. They want to follow Islam. They have the, good, they have the desire to follow the deen, that's why they're wearing a hijab. <laughs> but no one talked to them about you know, wearing tight clothes in haram. At least that's what he's assuming. Mm. So he said the fact that they're wearing the hijab is because they want to follow the deen, but if you should also talk about having loose clothing on, on, underneath as well. Uh, so, Allah, so yeah, we need to talk about that. Tight clothes, 
uh, is exposing the body. Yeah. Is besides clothing, what else was there on your list? Uh, I think that, was that covers most of the entertainment, was clothing, was earning. Yeah, I think that was, uh, that was most of it. Yeah. Okay. So. Alhamdulillah. Uh, I will. Uh -huh. Yeah, employment at a place with the primary purpose of the institution is uh, riba based. Uh, and you know, riba is so haram. I mean, I didn't cover all the hadith. One hadith about how, the, how harmful it is is like almost at the level of can't say it in front of kids. That's how haram it is. That hadith. I don't even want to say it. So, na'uzbillah. The other hadith that comes to mind is Nabi said about riba, la'anullah what? Akila riba, and wamukilahu, and katibahu, and shahidehi. That the curse of Allah is on the one who is giving the riba and consuming the riba, taking it, and the one who writes up the contract, and the one who witnesses it. The witness has nothing to do with it, right? The witness is just witnessing it. Like when you perform nikah, sometimes some family members may be not happy. Like they wanted the, the groom to marry their daughter maybe, and it didn't work out, and he married somebody else, or whatever, they're not happy. It was really funny sometimes, like I'm performing the nikah. I said that witness, you have to sign it. I said, you're not guaranteeing anything. I said, you're not guaranteeing a loan here. Right? You're just, are you aqil? Baliq Muslim. Right? And can you hear? All you're saying is you heard the ijab in the qubul. That's all. You have nothing to do with uh, will the marriage be successful or not? Is it the right choice? And all that, right? So, <laughs> don't worry about all that. Just, hey man, can you hear the ijab in qubul? Yeah, then just sign it as a witness, that's it. So the witness has nothing to do with it. But guess what? In riba, what is Rasulullah uh, said? Shahidi. The witnesses are also cursed. So anyway, so if a person is working at an institute like a bank, right? In part of that, then he should, he should not work in such a place, right? But the fuqaha are so considered, they say that, you know, uh, you don't want to put his family on the street, he has no, he's month to month. So actively start searching for uh, halal employment and continue to make istighfar. And the best wadifa taught by Rasulullah is which dua? Allahumma kfina bi halalika. This is a good ending actually. This is a good ending to the session. This dua. Allahumma kfina bi halalika an haramika. Wa aghnina bi fadlika amman siwa. Oh Allah, grant us so much halal. Kfina. Akfina, kifaya, enough halal and haram. We don't even have to look at haram. Think about haram. Dream about haram. Lust after haram. No, because we have so much halal. Allah makfina, give us so much halal that we don't even worry about haram. Grant us your fadl, your grace, your bounty, your tawajjuh, your love so much that we are independent and we don't want to look for anyone else's love and approval because you are pleased with us. So this is a dua. Now, I don't know if you, um, should I give you like inside information? Inside information, you know the Mashaikh or Akabir, they have a hidden agenda. What's their agenda? They want you to come close to Allah. So when they give the wazifa, you know what they say? Aage piche, Duru Sharif, that's, all, that's from the hadith. But then what do they say? Har namaz ke baad. <laughs> har namaz ke baad. Why do they say har namaz? Ye aap wazifa jo hai, Allah makfina bi halalika and this is inside stuff, just for today. Allah makfina bi halalika and haramika wa aghlina bi fadlika man sewaq. Isko aage piche teen dafa durud shari, panch dafa aap har namaz ke baad padhe. The maqsad is he has an agenda. And his agenda is he wants you to start performing salah so that Allah be pleased with you. So that's why he will time the salah with the wazifa. <laughs> and he'll say perform this after every salah. Now the guy, who, this guy what? He wants a job, right? He's looking for a job. So 
because he wants the job so much, the, the, all the eyes of the Quran, the Salat, Farad, and Hadith, it was not, but the job is so important because with the job, then he'll get the girl, the wife, or whatever his agenda is. So now, the, what did the Sahib Wazifa say? The Shaykh said, Now he has to start praying too. This is in the old, in the, in the east, in the Muslim countries. Over here, neither here nor there, nothing. But in the past, it used to be like that. So these teachers used to say, the Mashayi used to say, after every salah. But it's very effective because if a person performs salah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also give him barakah in the risk on his own. So that's an effective treatment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to re recite this dua. Let's recite it together. Allahumma kfina. Allahumma. Bihalalika, an haramika, wa aghnina, bifadlika, amman siwak. May Allah Ta'ala give us so much halal, we don't even have to think about haram, look at it. And grant us his fadl such that we are independent of everyone else. Because if he is pleased with us, then we don't care about anyone else. Walaytaka tahalu wal hayatu mariratun, walaytaka tarda wal anamu ghitabu. Okay, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Let us perform Ishraq Salah. Yeah, two rakat, followed by two rakat. And then, inshallah, if you have anyone to finish their dhikr, and then please go to sleep and take some rest, inshallah.